0: Welcome to This Week in MTG with your hosts, Matt Olson, Danny Oakstead, and Big G.
1: Hello and welcome, magic folk, to This Week in MTG, not your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering this time. We got another one of our special interview episodes for you, and this one, we're on the road. We hit the road hard. We traveled. And uh, those that have been following us kind of know maybe what we traveled for, but if you're finding us because of this, we traveled down to Rochester, Minnesota to interview Kelly Strant, Strant? Strant uh, of Magic Kids here. Uh, we, we did an event. We collected cards and money donations to give to, to Magic Kids, and we're going to get into what all that is here in a second. But uh, welcome here with me. We got the one and only Big G. Oh hey! What's yeah. up? <laughs> I
2: forget we're not on camera this time, yes, so it's kind of it, we're usually on camera, Kelly. So
1: yeah, we got uh, we we live stream it and stuff on like Twitch and YouTube. But uh, no, Danny with us today. He apparently he's being a guinea pig or something.
2: Uh, no, he just didn't, couldn't fit in the car. Yeah,
1: it was a lot of carts. I
0: believe that. I've seen the <laughs> car. <laughs>
1: and then we got Kelly here.
0: Hey everyone! Uh, yeah, this week in magic. Thank you so much. The donations. The, I've never seen a car packed so full of donations. I, I believe only two people could fit in there unless you strapped them to the top of the vehicle. We, we talked really about the bungee it. cord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, but we were- uh, no, thank you so much. It was a generous donation. And the, the cash donation, again, too, was wonderful, too. So thank you so much for your work.
1: Yeah, no, uh, we definitely, we, we enjoyed doing this. We thought this was exciting. Uh, I guess a quick little background of how this kind of came to be of us wanting to do this. Uh, we knew about Magic Kids when we started the podcast. And it was just like the beginning of this year that we're like, you know, we've been doing this for a while. Like I said, uh, uh, two two years that uh, that I've been doing this. And we wanted to try and see if there's something else that we can do aside from just news. And there's like uh, community outreach was one of them. And I'm like, Magic Kids, it seemed pretty straightforward there uh, to to choose y'all to you know help collect donations card wise because your your mission statement is something that resonates especially you know with us and uh garrett and i We're you know we're fathers we have kids and so
2: so, so is danny too. yes danny is okay too. We're, <laughs> we're, we're all dads in this podcast
1: Wonderful. as am i yes. yeah and uh so came up at the beginning of the year started getting things planned our uh sponsor Dubs allowed us to use his space to hold a two-headed giant double masters <laughs> Wow. event and stuff so uh there were 18 teams 36 players there that came and uh josh uh, josh the owner of Dubs was ever so kind to have price reductions to those that entered by bringing card donations wow. Wonderful. and and the, the community they heard they're like yes we'll do double master draft uh double master two-headed giant at a reduced price and stuff for this so to. it's a great idea it is yeah we got a good outcome everybody enjoyed it and then we did raffles uh to collect you know the money uh we raised eight hundred dollars and stuff for y'all a couple of uh local stores in the area they submit they put in uh magic products other things we made raffles from there and people bought tickets
2: uh and that's how we were able to raise all the money uh I think we just gave Kelly some ideas. No, that's wonderful.
0: I, that's a great idea. I, I appreciate all your work in this and the fact that the local car companies in your area were willing to do that. That's that's wonderful.
1: Yes. Uh, so a uh, quick shout-outs to J-Dubs, of course, for helping us. Ultima Gaming in Detroit Lakes for also doing uh, participating and benefiting or er, uh, contributing a lot to this. And Little Big Wars in Fargo as well. They're all the ones that did that. So I guess that's kind of a, a, a summary of how we got up down here. And uh, the let's finish the other part and mm-hmm. and get to know about Magic Kids. Let people who haven't heard Magic Kids uh, get to know about that, and we will we'll go from there. So, uh,
0: Kelly, you want to tell us who you are? Hey, everyone. Uh, so my name is Kelly Schrant. Um, yeah, I'm a dad of three kids, and um, the so my main my main job here at Magic Kids is I'm the education lead. Uh, my full time job I'm a middle school STEAM teacher, so science, technology, engineering, the arts, and mathematics. So I, it's engineering projects for kids, sixth and seventh grade, full-time during the school year. Um, and then I, I put in a fair amount of time during the week, especially in the summer times here at Magic Kids. So my main job here is I teach a community education classes here in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, I work with students anywhere from 10 years old to adult age like myself. I have parent classes where the kid and the parents will come in, which are a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, but most, most of them are students anywhere between the ages of 10 and 13. And so like right now I'm working with a group of nine, which is pretty great. And they're all very enthusiastic. They've, it's a second level class. So I'm introducing commander, introducing Oathbreaker. Uh, and then Two-Headed Giant, and then they have a chance to, like, win packs of cards that have been donated to us. And uh, So, yeah, it's really nice to be with a group of kids who are very excited to learn Magic the
2: Gathering, we- which isn't always the case in the public school system. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so for me, I'm, I also am a middle school teacher. I don't teach engineering. Really? Yeah. Um, Wonderful. So the, the question I have, because I know in middle school, especially nowadays, you have a, a wide array of students as far as you know backgrounds they come from Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. the interests are and all that kind of stuff as far as the classes you teach uh, what do you kind of see as far as like do you see a wide array of hey cool you've got the star football player for the middle school team coming and wanting to learn how to play magic as well as the kid who kind of maybe more stereotypically fits into that i play magic the gathering or at least back in the old days what it used to look like yeah and Um, then everywhere in between or do you have kind of a you know these are the kind of typical kids we have so in the community education setting
0: i tend to some of the kids have parents who are already gamers like they've played magic and maybe they just don't know how to they're not sure about how teaching their kid how to play or um I would say they're generally, they may fall more into the uh, majority fall into the stereotypical. I don't really fit into sports. I don't really fit into groups at school. Um, I kind of live in my own little world of fantasy. And so that's perfect for Magic the Gathering. That's and sure. yeah. And, uh, even in, uh, even in my, yeah, even in my STEAM class, I see that a lot just, um, My class is every single person, so it's not an elective. And so I have a variety of people coming together, which is really nice because we work in groups and I force kids to work together <laughs> because they generally want to choose to work with other people other than their friends. And it's great. Those people that generally don't kind of fit into any sort of nice little clique in the school, they do really well in my class, like problem solving and running into issues and and working with people. Um, I see a nice mix and... Um, and just like in my classroom, I deal—I I, kind of deal with it the same way with Magic the Gathering where I – how I introduce things. I introduce new terms at the STEAM classroom or introduce how to play from the very beginning for Magic the Gathering. I, I've kind of come to the same mentality of starting from the very beginning and not leaving anyone behind. Awesome.
2: The, this might be the interview I nerd
1: out a little bit more That's at. perfectly fine. Yeah. Like by all means, teacher get teacher going yeah. and stuff so like that. So
0: like when I started teaching, I – the first – person i ever taught to teach magic to were my three kids um right now i have uh, my oldest daughter just finished college or finished first year in college so she's 19 and then i have a a student going a son going into um 11th grade and another son going into ninth grade and i taught them all how to play magic when they were in elementary school because i was sick of playing their games (laughs) (laughs) so so i created these decks that were very simple not a lot of reading there was some re- fair amount of reading, but there's some cards like Ice Age cards where you got to like read two paragraphs to figure out what yeah. you're doing. Oh, or yeah. there's plenty of cards of which like that
2: they've, they've now retconned into one sentence. Going hey, exactly. here's, here's what it really no, does.
0: and that's what's fascinating is as I use some of these cards, like how they've changed things from say, geez, back in fourth edition all the way to now. Like instead of they have one word like haste instead of can't attack when it first comes out. So like they've, they've changed things, which has simplified the game really nicely. But no, for my, my own kids, when I taught them, it was like, I'd started one color, one mono color, uh, some very simple creatures, some very simple mechanics. And, uh, my daughter doesn't play as much, but I still play with my two sons. Um, yeah. especially enjoy the unsanctioned and just having a good time with the silver yeah. border. So, and, and so that's kind of what I've taken with my community education class is, um, found out the the most friendly way of friendliest way of teaching magic without overwhelming them because of course magic can be very overwhelming there's lots of mechanics there's lots of abilities whether it's an enchantment sorcery instant or a creature that does multiple things yeah i i start kids out just with 10 land and 10 creatures that may seem for some people that's may sound ridiculous but the combat phase alone the combat phase alone will be sometimes an issue for students whether they're 10 years old or 14 years old and just getting them figured out with the main phase decide an attack decide a defense how do you defend second main phase and then just ending the ending your step right there is it's a great friendly way of more importantly not leaving anyone behind and not having anyone feel frustrated because I don't know about you but uh Sometimes middle school students, all they need is one ex- reason to stop and just give up and walk away where I don't even give them that chance because things are so simple. And we're very supportive.
2: No, I, honestly, uh, so during the lockdown, uh, my wife decided instead of tr- like trying to find new things to do with each other, it was a, all right, <sighs> teach me how to play magic. (laughs) (laughs) And I wish I would have known about like starting simply. And I think that might've gone a little bit different. I tried to, Uh I grabbed, two of my more simple commander decks. I'm like, okay, oh, so, commander. <laughs> well, I'm like, I had, I had the, the phase card in front of me going, okay, this is the order we go in. And I had an example of each of the cards out so she could see what's going on. Um, and I don't know if it was just because we were about two weeks into the lockdown yeah. and I think we we're getting sick of each other in the yeah. apartment at that point a little bit. And she goes, ah, oh, that's it. I'm done. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Yeah, so I've been uh, – yeah, I've never taught anyone who, uh, that, uh, I'm in a relationship with, but <laughs> other than my, my kids, but, uh, and, and of course students here at the community education classes in Rochester, but, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and the funny thing is, um, I was recently at the, the american library association in washington dc it was a big convention they have every year and i had librarians walk up to me or some some people that had something to do with libraries in general and and yeah kind of kind of heard the same thing it's like i wish i would have known about this because things may have gone a lot better and they can appreciate it especially if they've played before they can appreciate just all the layers all the multiple layers and for most of us who've been playing forever it's no big deal but it took some time to get to that point and for new learners, it can definitely be overwhelming, like anything that you learn.
1: I guess maybe this is a good point to to jump into one of the questions here. So when it comes to coming up with these 10, 10 creature, 10 land decks, like what, how did how did that come up to be for, for y'all to, to decide here as uh, a way to teach?
0: The Well, um, so it was based on the education lead. So I'm actually the one who, I'm, I'm the only person who does education here at Magic Kids. So okay. I'm, I'm the one who teaches the classes and... Um, you know, I really enjoy the creative side of curriculum. Um, I did, The STEAM class that I teach right now, I actually developed it about six years ago. I took things from the internet, and I, I went to an NSTA convention. And I was fortunately able to go to a space camp academy for teachers, which was th- supported through Honeywell, which was an amazing experience. Got to work with 14 teachers around the world. Oh and, damn! That's yeah, awesome. three from Minnesota, uh, one from Russia, one from Malaysia, one from South Africa. Majority of her from the U.S. But um, I but going through those things, I I gained enough curriculum ideas that I I developed a two-year program for for the Steam program at Stuartville. and so yeah, that part of that part of teaching is wonderful. The behavior side, I could not so crazy about but uh yeah no and, and so when it came to this um in teaching my own kids earlier on I I just I don't know I I kind of wanted to make it as simple as possible um and even like I said even with 10 creatures uh, they get to learn about the creatures and, and the basic mechanics of a combat phase and it was plenty for a very first game and then once we played it a second we played a second time um, and we'd start, start introducing enchantments and instants and sorceries. Uh, another big thing that we do our very first game, we would put all of our cards down on the table. Everyone okay. would be able to see what each person was doing, why they were doing it. The concept of what mana is to begin with and that one can be dropped at each turn. One can be placed out and you can't place more than one mana at a turn except under special conditions. And, and so like it was more of a learning experience than it was like, okay, let's kill each other with with our dragon or our giant um so yeah I, I try to make it as as friendly as possible and once again i'm i'm modeling things just like i would do in the classroom so definitely as a as a middle school teacher um you're, you have to do that or you're going to lose even more people from the beginning and so i kind of just took that experience i've been a teacher for about a decade and uh so i enjoy teaching. I wish I could do this full time. Teach Magic: The Gathering. I'm I'm playing with the idea of maybe bringing D and D into it for some more classes at community ed. And yeah, but I've I've been a Magic player since 1995, fourth edition. So nice.
1: <laughs> very good. Very good amount of time playing Magic. Very in, in franchise. So when it, when it when it comes to have founding Magic Kids, uh, is that a you and Jason thing together or? Can you can you dive into uh, the the founding now of of Magic Kids being what Magic Kids is today or what it was in the beginning?
0: Um, it's it was all Jason, uh, Jason and a few others. It wasn't myself. Um, I came. I I've been heavy into it for about two years now, um, and that's where the curriculum that we have right now. Well, part of the curriculum for Magic Kids is sword build and play, which is they ultimately built everything. We don't give them any pre-created decks because it gives them ownership. Like with with any sort of students, they're going to take things more seriously if they have ownership in it. And so anything they build, they take with them and they bring back. um, All the cards that are donated to us, like the cards that you had donated to us today, um, those will be be used for community education classes. Those will be sent out to um, boys and girls clubs around the U.S., to homeschools around the U.S., to any teacher who wants to promote it in their classroom any librarian that wants to promote it in their classroom will ship anywhere to the, in the US for free And so, um, but that's something that education part of it the education part of it with like the 10 and 10 that's something that I brought to the table probably about a good year ago um, but the founding of Magic Kids that was Jason um, and of course he had some individuals that, that kind of led him in that direction um, we've known each other since since 1995. But, um, I I've been a big part of this for the last two years. And, and so the shop we're at right now is we've been here for, this is the third year we've been here. And, but ultimately it started out as a, as a way to like give money to charities around Southeast Minnesota. So like it literally started in Jason's basement. Okay. We had like 30 people, the basement was full. And, um, there was a, a certain amount of money was, I believe paid into it. Mm-hmm. And then all that, all the profit, basically, uh, uh, there was a predecided um, nonprofit that we we're gonna that the money was gonna be given to. So like I believe I was there for that one, but I wasn't I wasn't inside the organization until like I said probably two years ago. Um, but yeah, it started with giving money to local charities, um, and uh, that went on for I believe a year. We eventually. Got kicked out of the basement because there's too many people there and ended up at a hotel in downtown Rochester where they donated the space to us and we brought people in. And, and it's it's part of the Magic community that's been here for a solid 20 years. And so it's we see those same people still walking in and looking for singles here at the shop or going to D6, which is the same building we're under right now, uh, D6, the local gaming space. So, uh, yeah, there's been but, – but ultimately, I may be overstepping, but ultimately, it's always been Jason – being responsible for anything because people come and go. And so there's been a lot, a lot on his shoulders and he's done a wonderful job of doing what he's done. Um, I'm just glad I'm able to help. And then there's a graphic design side of magic kids. And so, um, but I'm the education. I can take my specialty and bring it to magic kids.
2: Well, so two things that I'm wondering too, and I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering about too, you kind of explain how some of the process works as far as when you get donations in and, you know, running into if you want to share the the big ah card, or it's kind of been a mistake. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Kind of, can you kind of share some of that rundown of how like the shop side of Magic Kids works?
0: Sure. So, um, so that whole carload of donations that was brought in today, <laughs> what will happen with that is Jason will go through all of those cards. Some of those cards, part of how we how we run as a nonprofit is we still need to pay rent. So. Um, He'll go through every single card. If there's a card that we think that we can buy list, which is we can sell it back to like Card Kingdom or ABU. We can find those cards, buy list them. We receive store credit. And then we buy cards that we know people want to buy. And then those people buy those cards. And then that that money that comes out on that tail end eventually comes back to paying our rent every month. Um, So, and uh, so that's part of it um the majority of but a good chunk of those cards will ultimately be uh sent out to magic kits uh magic kits so anyone in the united states can request a magic kit for like some sort of group play that they want to create i even had a mom i actually worked with a mom and son last year that she wanted to create a magic group in her neighborhood kids with her neighborhood kids with her son to kind of know where they were and Ah. <laughs> maybe it was a babysitting tool to a point but she didn't know how to play magic so she came in with her son and we worked four different sessions where I showed her the basics with her son and by that time she walked away she could actually take that magic kit and do something with it um that's really cool yeah 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 and so and then there's other times where if I'm teaching community edu- education classes in Rochester I'll take a big five thousand box and let's walk it off to the kids and say go at it and they'll because they're building <laughs> decks they're they're like the second level so the first level class at community ed it's teaching the basics of like a 60 card deck but we start out with 10 and then we double it with a second color and then ultimately they have a 60 color by the end so they know everything about that deck and it's their deck they've created it from all the cards from all the cards that um we um that are donated to us they'll they'll take them and um yeah, it's it's all about ownership. They're they're excited to have their cards, whatever they build, they get to walk away with. Second second level class, they build the commander decks from scratch. I give them a stack of legendary creatures for them to choose from. They choose their creature. It's all about what they want and what they want to focus on. Second day is Oathbreaker, which of course was uh, created with a group of individuals that were heavily involved in Magic Kids early on and and then Twitter Giant third day and ultimately I I play against them, and I, and whether they win or lose, I still get packs of cards. So (laughs) we've had packs of cards donated to us. So the third and fourth day, they're they're walking away with cards from a fresh pack, and and they're excited about that, of course. And the the important thing is they're excited and they like it's it's great to be with a group of nine kids. Like I said last week and this upcoming week, and they're just they're just quiet because they're just reading through. Grabbed a stack of cards, they're reading through them and. Uh, yeah it's and it's not in front of a device either which is so wonderful i know when my own kids speak about my own kids of course and my students i have there's so much reliance on electronic devices nowadays that it's nice to have to see them actually read and do the strategizing without any sort of electronics attached to it
2: that's awesome okay so the second question i had that popped into my head you talked about sending out the magic kits to you know any teachers any librarians that want to do them and you talked about your community education side of things. When you send out those kits, do you send like lesson plans for how to teach no. and like what you would go through in your community ed side of things? Yeah. So
0: the the ten by ten, very first deck, ten lands, ten creatures, all single color. Yeah, I send that information out with them um, that I have right here in front of me, and uh, <laughs> which no one can see. Um, yeah, we send that out. We send them everything that they need to start. We send them out with like. 5,000 cards, like randomly, and so they get land, sleeves, deck packs, um, they get everything they need, they're, they're not going to be running out of anything anytime soon, and, then, and of course if they need more, they can request more, and it's also based off of of uh, how many students they're working with, so sometimes there may be a larger starter kit than another smaller group starter kit based off of their needs. Awesome. And, yeah, and we want to make sure that they're legitimately using it. So, of course, we don't set it up just to anyone. They have to be, like, supporting some sort of... We don't want someone hoarding cards just because they like Magic the Gathering. It has to be an organization of some sort. Like I said, Boys and Girls Club or a school group or a librarian that wants to start up, start up a program before or after school or during school. So they need to be connected some way. And, and that information we collect initially before we start sending things out so we want to make sure it's going to where it needs to go
1: very much so um has that has that been an issue before or is that just kind of like your initial stopgap to just
0: um i i i can't answer that because i was i've never been part i know i'm aware of the process but i've i'm not the one who looks at this now has it happened i'm sure it has i mean ultimately in any sort of situation like that um but I don't know if it's been a major issue. I think it was just more of a... We want to make sure it's getting to where it needs to go to. And
2: to kind of one of those things, client. make sure it doesn't get out of hand, people take advantage of it. Yeah, against... yeah.
0: And so, like I said, we have we have questions we ask, and 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 that's... Uh, I'm sure we could probably give you a link to that of, of where you could click to find that information out and just, uh, just uh, start filling out if anyone out there... Yeah, if anyone there wants to start off a magic group and you don't know how to do it and give you all the resources you need to start that up.
2: Well, you kind of segued yourself. We we always like to have people who we interview kind of promote themselves a little bit. So <laughs> uh, social media websites, is there other ways to get a hold of you? Carry your pigeons?
0: Um, you know, the best way, from what I understand, uh, a good starting point is just www.magickids.org, uh, M-A-G-I-K-I-D-S. Dot .org it's the best way to start and con- contacting us and from there we can answer any questions that you may have whether it's about requesting kits or where to send donations to yeah yeah it's uh, that's a great place to start magickids.org
1: awesome I know that you guys' uh, other social medias are very uh, very engaging of uh, uh, your recent post of the new Jaya ballad from Dominare United where you had Jaya with Invoke Calamity like he, you don't just I mean you, you, you all make engaging posts as well there so I would highly recommend following him on on Twitter and, and Facebook
0: and I believe you can thank thank uh Jason for that he's he he does a lot of that so posting so
1: he does, he's very successful it's, yeah. he's very successful with yeah, stuff and all that um, with uh, I do I do want to if, if you're okay with talking about this uh, I I was wondering if we could get on the podcast the uh, the one card that you got <laughs> because I think that's that's gonna blow some people's minds yeah,
0: yeah. so um so yeah I, we get these cards and Jason goes through them initially and then I, he gives the ones that I think are gonna be buy listed and so then I buy list them and yeah so it was probably a year and a half ago I think it was even be- it was before the pandemic I ran into a Gaia's Cradle, which is just nuts. Like that, that wasn't. It had to have been an accident. It had to have been an accident. But that was pretty amazing. And so, with something like that, an amazing find like that, there's certainly people in the community who are interested in buying that. And so that was pure profit for the for our organization. And that, then, that, and then ultimately that could go towards just keeping this place running. Um, but yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. Yeah, every once in a while we find some treasures in there, and. Uh, they are, uh, they are impressive.
1: <laughs> I think it's really cool. Um, I know Gary and I we were talking about this. A lot of the cards that were donated, uh, there were some random boxes that people brought in and stuff, and we we're consolidating them into all these like five thousand count, one thousand mm-hmm. count boxes. And you know, curiosity—we're just th- thumbing through to see like what people are putting in there, and we're very. It's very exciting to see that people are actually putting like legit gas into some of their yep. donations and stuff, not just kind of like, oh, we're just dropping off our bulk. But like we were saying, there are solar rings, lightning greaves, there are a bunch of there, awesome stuff from aren't modern guys. There are cradles Ooh.
2: in there. Though. Yeah, I know. No, uh, no. Well, maybe. We'll, maybe we don't know. We didn't go through <laughs> we did all, all the of boxes. Them. I went through all the ones that, like, uh, so I was telling you, Danny and I. Uh, we had our collections and my wife was kind of getting on my butt about the amount of magic cards that were (laughs) were not being used within the house. So I was like, okay, perfect. I'm going to go through some stuff, make sure that it's not just a bunch of basic lands in a box that I forgot about. Um, and doing a few other things too to kind of help keep my collection funding itself, um, going through our stuff. And like, I know Danny's box was just, I was sitting out Danny, do you know that that half of this stuff was in here? Like, do you want it or do you want it to be put in the box? He goes, Shit, I had that card? (laughs) Yeah, right. Imagine all the cards that people have, it's yeah. Well and that's
0: that we've we've been at some conventions where people were I think it was these two brothers came up and they said, Yeah, we got this desk that's just wilting in the middle because there's such a weight of magic (laughs) cards that they got to get all the cards out of there it's going to destroy the piece of furniture it's stored in and uh so yeah they i don't know if they ultimately sent it to us but yeah plenty of people who have like corners of their room just can't even be used because of their magic bulk and so for some of it they're happy to get rid of it and we'll be happy to put it to good use
1: so how often do you like turn over magic cards like ship throughout? Like uh, you guys have been significant and growing from, you know, since I've uh, I've heard and found of you that you guys look like you just keep growing and people just keep hearing about you. Like uh, when it comes to sending out cards, is there like uh, metrics, that, uh, m- metrics that you're proud of when it comes to like sending out kits to schools or even just like engagement with the community that you're sending out cards? I know on Twitter there's people that like, tag you saying thank you magic kids for starting this uh helping us start this after school club and it shows like a a group of like 20 kids just sitting at desks looking through their cards and that 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 stuff is amazing to me to see so
0: um well we've definitely grown yeah it's pretty amazing we're uh kind of running with our hair on fire (laughs) for the (laughs) last especially like i said i've only been doing this for maybe two plus years but uh Jason's been the cornerstone of all of this. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, so, for example, like with the American Library Association, um, we've never been there before. So we were invited by Wizards of the Coast to, to join them, and, which was wonderful to work side by side with them in Washington, D.C. So during that weekend that we were there promoting not only magic kids and magic kits that can be sent out all around the country, they were also promoting D and D. There were over 130 magic kits requested just in that weekend from the American Library Association. Heck yeah, which was wonderful. And uh, so that that's great. That's that's exactly what we wanted to do. And um, we had, I believe, we had already sent out several hundred before that, just the beginning of this year. So we've we've actually created this map, and maybe that's something that we can give you. Um, this graphic map of where we've sent everything to in the United States. Oh, that would that'd be dates. awesome. I would totally yeah. be down
1: to see that. Yeah, and,
0: yeah. So and share it up. our graphic designer put it together to kind of just promo, kind of showing visually where we sent kits out to all over the U.S. And um, um, another person that, uh, that helped us out a lot over that weekend, her name's uh, Karina Q. Um, and she actually has a podcast, too. Oh, does she? Okay. Yes. So maybe we'll, we'll have to get to the information. But yeah. yeah, she she's she uh, yeah she was librarian of the year in Texas one year, and she has her own podcast, and she promotes magic play in her library. Heck yeah! She was a teacher before that, and uh, she part of her podcast. I think after her podcast, before she even got to Washington D.C., because she was stuck in an airport for eight hours. Um, There's like thirty requests, just just from her podcast for magic kits and so she was she was really helpful too and she's she's a new person that's come along and so now so now we have a librarian specialist i'm the education lead we got our graphic designer and then we got the cornerstone which is jason (laughs) so yeah it's just all these people bringing their specialties together which is really cool that's a good That's thing awesome.
1: to have, uh, like everybody doing something to promote something like this. Like your graphics, your graphic artist is amazing with all the the the, the Magic Kids logo, the Oathbreaker stuff that they post up. Again, like f- follow them Twitter, Facebook, go to their website. You'll see all that. Like prop, props to them, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's very eye catching. Uh, what they what they do, absolutely, yeah.
2: So, you know, Kelly, how did? you you mentioned when you started and all that but what kind of got you into magic in the first place
0: um so i'm uh, i'm 47 <laughs> and so after my first year in college uh, i was at back home to rochester and a friend of mine from high school introduced it to me and i remember the first card was the grizzly bear so there was a there was a local place <laughs> here in rochester and they were selling just a big collection of bulk cards and I just, okay, I took the step, my first step, and I bought the cards. And uh, it was all fourth edition, so sadly enough, I missed Alpha, Beta, and Unlimited and passed way too many dual cards up, which I should have bought <laughs> for like $15 way back in the day. And uh, In
2: other words, when time travel gets invented, Kelly's going to go back to right. his college self and go, just buy them now. Yeah. You're going to thank me later. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right.
0: I'm a, I'll have a stack of every one of them. But, uh, and then, yeah, a year later, I, I met Jason. Uh, we were both in college and uh so uh yeah and I I took a break from magic from around like 2000 2010 because raising kids and uh I just really didn't have anyone to play with and then around 2010 Jason contacted me and we started doing Friday nights at his place playing magic so I got back into it which was fun and uh yeah and then from there uh from there uh magic kids started up and jason's back room finally became empty <laughs> from all the magic cards and binders he had and uh so yeah 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 so it's 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 been a it's been a it's certainly been a a, a journey uh, and like i said i wasn't even part of the whole thing so but um I, yeah i'm proud with what i've done here for the last few years helping magic kids out
1: as you should be because uh, the uh, the the educational side of it, like looking at it, it was like, oh, this is genius as we were talking about earlier, just 10 cards and stuff. So everything that y'all have been doing here we think is phenomenal. And we're just – we're glad that there's an organization like you guys that is doing what you're doing to help, you know, like – give kids the opportunity to play magic in a, in a space where magic is kind of, you know, some C is potentially inaccessible because of how uh, expensive it is Mm -hmm. to, to like get started with it. And just like, I don't know, getting everybody more just to be in it for fun and not for, you know, get them hooked early and just giving them this stuff.
0: Yeah, no. And I absolutely agree. Like I've, and I've never played to be any sort of serious contender and like any sort of tournament, it's always been for fun. I mean, my favorite deck is a squirrel deck. It's an Oathbreaker squirrel deck. I mean, I have fun with that, and I pump up my squirrels and bite off my opponent's heads, and uh, <laughs> no, that's great. And I'm, I'm working on a Minskin boost Oathbreaker set next. There you or go. Deck. I, I'm out there to have fun, and that's what I promote in my community community education classes i'm i'm not interested in creating these world champions just so having fun socializing and promoting that and luckily i'm able to do that in my classroom too so at at uh, the middle school setting and so i I do that here too it's it's never and now now do kids tend to like gang up on others or play politics and like sure that's natural but i (laughs) i don't promote that at all And, and usually when when I'm playing with the kids and they want to like gang up, they want to like side with me. It's like, nope, I'm on my own. <laughs>
2: I'm not helping anyone out. You're all my opponents. You're, you're sitting here on your pedestal, going, "Get away from me! Go team up with them and try yeah. to dethrone me." As I
0: tell them, it's like, "What do you think's going to happen when your enemy's gone? You're gonna,
2: your opponent's going
0: to be your enemy. So you got to think about that." But yeah, it happens. It happens. It's all in. It's all in fun, though. I mean, the great thing is they're having a good time and. They're laughing and being silly, and which is great.
1: Is there is there any like uh, kid story that you can that you can like talk about that like really resonates like in any kind of degree of like interacting with uh, with a kid in your class of teaching them magic through their like if it, if there's like a moment that really clicked and it just like stuck with them or something where it's just like oh this is uh, an eye opening situation or anything like that anything that pop um, up
0: actually last week so i i have a second level class like i mentioned before where we introduced commander oathbreaker and then two-headed giants they're building all of the decks um and so i've had my largest group so far which is a group of of nine the last two days either one one person's been gone so there's always been two groups of four and they've all they've all they all play at the table so four in one group four in another group and um what was great was, these a lot of these kids I'd had before in my first level class, they'd come to the second level class because they enjoyed the first one. And they were very independent. They were having a good time. They'd supported each other with rules, or if someone made a mistake, they'd point it out. And, and, and I didn't really have to do much of anything. I could just watch. And it, so it was nice to know that I had, I had supported that beginning, at least, and they were doing something that they enjoyed. And once again they were talking to each other and not sitting in front of their phones quietly while they did whatever and it was just i don't know it's nice to see like some decent human beings <laughs> like supporting one another and having a good time doing it and yeah i uh yeah technology's a good thing but uh there's definitely some some personal issues i have with it too especially when it comes to like these people that need to work together and Sometimes you just can't do that when you're on your own little world of digital devices.
1: So, so you both are teachers and stuff. And I guess this is like my non-teacher mind here. But is there like some sort of like internal gratification? Like as you were just mentioning, like seeing the kids be able to work stuff. And you said that you could just observe them. You can watch them like do this stuff. Like like I guess both of you can – it's a question for both of you. Like is that like a moment where it's like, holy shit, I've done amazing here that these, these humans are – these little humans are starting to do something – you know like intense magical working together of just you know like everything led up to a moment like this like if, if that makes sense as a question
2: well I know for me so um, I'm a special ed teacher oh wow okay um, so throughout this last year like I I indirectly touched social skills so seeing some of that stuff but then math mm-hmm. and reading like seeing one of my kids who's been struggling with math and then uh, because of reasons ended up getting thrown into a grade level math class besides mine and getting a little bit of extra help from me and then the teacher coming down going, hey, when you when you go over the lesson with so-and so and I go over the lesson with so and so, they get it. They finally get it, which is awesome And then I know like one of my students I just I'm moving schools to a new district and everything too within our area so for any of the kids that wanted to stay in contact with teachers because everyone has their favorite teacher and they want to be like, mm-hmm. hey yo look at this. I got, I got, I did a cool thing. Mm -hmm. I I made sure the parents knew how they could get a hold of me. And one of my students has already taken advantage of that, um, over the summer and Hey, you know, I'm starting to read bigger chapter books and I'm getting them. I'm understanding them Uh and that type of thing. But I think for me, like on the social aspect, kind of going more with maybe a little bit what you just talked about, Um, you know, inevitably you have those kids that are going to be bullies in class and pick on each other. And it happened in one of my classes where it was a kid that you kind of, as a teacher, you have those kids pegged of, yeah, you're going to be the bully in class. I might have to keep you in check every now and then. But then you also identify the opposite side of the coin of, oh man, you're going to be the target for the bully in the class. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of those interactions was happening this particular day in class and a student that I would not have thought to come stick up for this kid came and stuck up for this kid going, Hey, you know, Anderson's rules, man, you gotta be nice. You gotta, (laughs) you gotta be respectful to everybody and not, you know, he said it, in a more school appropriate way you know you can't be a fucking ass to the kid come on (laughs) basically he said it in a way that wouldn't get him in trouble for saying (laughs) it. so you still have a job (laughs) (laughs) pretty much I don't know. Have you had, have you had any kind of similar stuff? Oh, uh, I suppose within your your actual classroom like that. Then
0: oh, I mean everything. You know who the you know who the bullies are. You, you right. know who their targets are. And so yeah, not only do you know it, but a lot of the other teachers know it too. And so um, no, absolutely. And and to know that there's like this standard expectation, like a social expectation okay. of, and yeah. So um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, What's nice? What I really actually one of the highlights of my class is. Uh, so my class is for the general population, but it's those special ed students that generally have a harder time in general ed. They do pretty well in my class because it's all hands-on building things. And they love that, of course. And and for them to have that success is great. And so when you talked about your students just feeling successful because they're like figuring out this math problem or how to deal with a strategy. And so it's it's great because it builds confidence and they're gonna be less likely, more likely to try it next time than just give up because it's always been such an issue in the past. So that's huge, especially in the special ed community. Wow, yeah, kudos to you. Thanks, <laughs> man. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, middle school alone is can be challenging much less,
2: but um, my. My wife calls me a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It helps. It helps. (laughs) I I can teach, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade. And she goes, well, why don't you want to come back to the elementary school? Because I have experience there. I was like, you know, as much as I love all the little kids coming, oh, Mr. Anderson giving you a big Mm -hmm. hug. I can't be any remnants of a smart ass to my students. (laughs) They don't get sarcasm yet. I thought, like, I had the opportunity to go to high school. I'm like, oh, wait, some of those kids might burn me more than I think they might. (laughs) Middle school, I can thrive there. (laughs) Which kind of goes, I suppose, Kelly, you teach middle school as well. Yeah. Do you catch yourself every now and then where, like, whether it's the bully kid or just kind of a, a typical kid? kind of being a smart ass to them and maybe putting them a little bit in their place. Oh, all the time. Okay, good. I, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> I do it all
0: the time because there's too many kids who think they're on too high of a pedestal. That's my job is to <laughs> knock them down. <out. laughs> and then the other kids eyes are wide open. Like you just say that. Oh yeah, I have to, because that's the only way. Yeah. Cause you know, that's, I mean, even some middle school students don't get sarcasm. So you gotta be careful of course, but yep. those that do. Oh, and, <laughs> and I know some of their parents too. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started it's... running
2: into that now too. I didn't think I would at a being a middle school teacher oh, at, at my yeah. age, knowing some of the parents. And it's like, oh, so now I get a phone call the next day. Did you really say this in your class? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good work. Keep it up. Yeah, no. And there's some,
0: no, there's, uh, yeah, there's some good parents out there.
2: Okay. So you, you've talked about squirrels. So yeah. is it a good assumption that your favorite color, and you're a man of higher intellect and prestige? <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> that your favorite color is green and magic. If you had to pick a solo color,
0: you know, truthfully, uh, red was my standard deck. Like I have a older red deck, which just quick burns. And but but no, I mean, as animals go, tribal goes. It's always been squirrels, and uh, now that now that we got some legendary squirrels out and. I can, I can. And the, the problem is, I really can't use a silver bordered on cards for, for legitimate play unless <laughs> the person agrees with me that I'm playing with. Yeah. But, but I don't play in tournaments. So as long as they're okay with it, then. Um, but yes, yeah, see, I, I enjoy squirrels in general. Yeah. So because my first career was as an animator and so uh, digital animator, and I loved the movement of squirrels. And that's where it came from. I just okay. like the wave that they created with their tails and them one right across. And I, I just find them. I enjoy them. And so I think it led to that, to playing with squirrels just because they're amusing to me. And I don't eat squirrel like one of my students asked. I <laughs> I don't have pet squirrels. I just, I would never want to put a squirrel in a, you, a trap. I, I like, I just, I love watching them in nature.
2: Do you have a full-sized stuffed squirrel as a token? So, no. Just kind of like a beanie baby size thing. I do. (laughs) Ah
0: yes. (laughs) I use it. I use it in my classroom actually. Instead of uh, silent, so silent ball is a standard game where kids can finally be quiet, and I play silent squirrel. I play Silent Squirrel, so it's a beanie baby squirrel and it's got beads falling out of its butt, so we got duct tape over it. But yeah, we play that in the classroom. That's like the thing I'm known for in the middle school is playing oh, Silent go. Squirrel.
1: So, so to, to those non um, academically connected, what is Silent Ball or Silent Squirrel? Oh yeah.
0: So Silent Ball, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful game where the students have to be quiet, which is <laughs> which is a very hard thing to do sometimes. And so I learned it in fifth grade and basically you're sit, you're usually sitting on a desk and people are throwing the the, the silent the ball back and forth. They can't chuck it if you're nearby. But if your legs are hanging over the dust, it can hit your legs. And if the ball hits the ground, you're out. And so the idea is to be the only person left over that's th- that didn't get out by having the ball hit them and then hit the ground if it hits you and then you catch it you're safe but if it hits the ground you're out and after it's hit you and so i've made it a lot more enjoyable so my squirrel is a flesh-eating squirrel as i tell all my students and if you hold on for too long it eats your fingers because i never feed it i only feed it to students so so they can't hold on for too long or um, it'll eat their fingers so the idea is to keep the squirrel going and moving um, and not and, catch, and the idea is to catch people off guard and, and usually I make it a little more interesting. Like after if no one's getting out, then I say, okay, uh, one hand, uh, one ha-, or as you can catch it, but you can uh, you can catch it with one hand, but not with two hands. You can do a cradle at certain times, or you can cradle it and catch it with part of your body. And then eventually, it's like you have to throw with your non-dominant arm because <laughs> there's some kids who are really good, and so that's what throws them off is the non-dominant arm, and or they. They can catch, but they got to throw with a non-dominant arm, and and some kids wanted to participate in like ideas, like okay, you got to close one eye, and which throws them <laughs> off too. And uh, no, it's fun, it's it's, but I I usually use it as sort of a it's an incentive because some classrooms are just so nuts that yeah. if I have to continually go over things and I'm kids are off task and messing around, it's like no, we can't play today because. Some of you jerks (laughs) and I'm not in the mood because I was babysitting more than I was teaching today, which, which tends to happen sometimes in the middle school classroom, unfortunately. It's just a reality. Oh, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. On the side oh, of day, man. Well, and he was special ed. Do, oh, do you I'm, work one-on-one or do you work with like behavior like with groups of students? I have
2: groups of students, but honestly, I felt like I was babysitting more in the hallways than I was oh, oh, being yeah. a teacher. Oh, no, 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 no. They're animals sometimes. Oh. <laughs> especially middle school. They think they're like they're done with elementary school, but they haven't hit high school yet to see what the real world might be like. And they can't oh, stop touching God. each other oh it's ridiculous dude like seriously like you think pda in public is bad middle school is the epitome of the worst yeah oh
0: yeah so sound squirrel yes uh, <laughs> my school squ- my squirrel carries over throughout many parts of my life and uh yeah people all know they'll point out a squirrel to me if they see it and i even have uh no I don't have that. so you have a bunch of squirrel i have a lawn squirrel in my classroom and i have all these other squirrels that people have given me i have i i even have a collection of squirrel ornaments for like a mini tree that i have that i've collected over the last 20 years a lot of them for my mom but um yeah they're just like glass ornaments oh that's different squirrels and yeah it's my pathetic little thing (laughs) but that it's fine it keeps the life amusing and
2: oh my my thing in the classroom and my students love when i get a new one i do I'm the teacher that has the pop figures along the wall. Uh
0: oh, but, but yeah, yeah. yeah I, so I have
2: some of them in the box, but I have I have a little Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Nice. Um and I use that as a little bit of classroom management kinda of like your squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't get thrown around. Um uh, but I have uh in my school or my desk desk last year in my classroom I had taped off a little square and it was labeled Sheldon's spot because he always has a spot in the apartment and everything. And I go, guys, if he's not in his spot that means you need to be quietly observing And looking around the room. And I did it as a kind of teaching when to do something that's out of the typical at socially appropriate times. So, obviously, I'm in the middle of a lesson. You find Sheldon somewhere hidden in the classroom that you can get to without breaking any of my classroom rules. Keep an eye on where he's at when the lesson's done. Don't run over to him. Just stealthily walk over. Go pick him up. Either put him back in my spot or put him in my hand and there's a reward for returning. nice uh it worked out really well but it was unfortunately became a little bit too much of a distraction so it kind of he didn't leave his spot after a certain point of the <laughs> yeah, year yeah yeah was <laughs> always things that I'm like
0: come out his backfire
2: but it was, it was fun while it lasted i think in my new classroom it might be a, a nice thing to do too i'm switching over disciplines a little bit so okay. but okay. so is it a fair assumption then your pet card is probably a squirrel card my, like your favorite card to play in Magic. Yeah,
0: you know, um, actually my, you know, I love Ron Spencer's. It's from Unglued. It's a scroll token. I mean, it's, it's like a token that's probably, it's under 10 bucks. But well, so that's a token, obviously. That's like probably my favorite scroll art is Ron Spencer um, from Unglued back in the late 90s. Um, you know, um, yeah, Dranged Hermit is fun. <laughs> and uh so obviously it's not a squirrel card but it generates squirrels and i even even my signature spell for Oathbreaker, i have one that generates two squirrels oh there you go i think covenant command and and so i try to get squirrels out like that way and uh no no i'm still working on it and uh I'm trying to get all my all those tribal cards that give me a plus one one yeah. and for for my creature type and so yeah yeah no it's like any squirrel card really even if it has a squirrel item like there's a Giant growth squirrel card. So, like, make sure that one's in there and
2: get the art flavor
1: in there yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Of course. You gotta have some fun. So, is it safe to assume that Oathbreaker is your favorite magic format to play then?
0: Yeah, no, actually it is. Um, so, as I mentioned, yeah, a group of, of people from a, a local hospital here in Rochester actually created, uh, created Oathbreaker because Commander was too long. It took too long to play during lunch. And so they developed oathbreaker which is just 60 card singleton instead of a legendary creature it's a planeswalker with a signature spell and uh, yeah you know i do like it uh, i don't play as much as i want to but every once in a while jason myself and a few other people will get together and play and so um you know i got a tezzeret deck and uh and uh squirrel deck and now i'm working on a minsk Embu deck which will, i'm very excited to bring hamsters into the mix and uh <laughs> once again like a lot of the yeah, I'm I'm not nearly as hardcore as some of the people I play with. I just I just want to have fun and and just have a good time and and laugh and create some chaos in general and. But yeah, Oathbreaker, I that's definitely what I play most of now just because I I'm proud of the fact that it came it came through like the beginnings of Magic Kids, which is pretty cool and I don't know, it's fun. I I think it's I think it's a great it's a great alternative to others out there.
1: I've definitely been uh, very in on Oathbreaker since we started to do this the setup for the this summer and MTG event, and I'm like, sixty card deck. You get to use a planeswalker. This is intense because it goes fast. You got to be very creative. There's like no, there's no five color decks, four color decks in Earthbreaker because there's no four or five color Planeswalkers and stuff. And just kind of like keeping it in that area seems really cool. And it allows you to actually like play with the Planeswalker frequently with not being like a super friends deck where it's just a little more on the the punishing side. It's like I can now flavorfully have a Planeswalker easily accessible Mm then it's like, ah, this is the time to cast it. And stuff, but uh, yeah, sixty cards. I've been enjoying it and stuff. So I, I, I greatly appreciate Oathbreaker as, as being a format. Glad to hear it.
2: So who's who's the favorite Planeswalker you like playing with, and who's maybe your least favorite to play? Let's go play against.
0: Um, uh, I'm really enjoying. Boy, oh, I'm dropping names here. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Uh sadly enough i don't play enough right now that's so sad i'm magic kids and we're actually we're actually intending to play a lot more just while we're both here in the in the studio because i've i really so um i've got a so here's what i'm in, what i'm looking forward to doing is i've got a tybalt and i want to create a complete red chaos off deck where i'm just torturing the players um, and rolling the dice and randomness. And uh, I, I don't. My, my attitude is I never
2: necessarily need to win, but I just want to cause a lot of pain. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be the reason why people go, and I'm glad this game is done. Right, right. Well, <laughs> or, or they may kill me, but I'm going to take something with me. And uh, like Planar
0: Chaos is a fun card that I have because I love the randomness of it and it annoys people. And I don't. So I enjoy playing Scroll more than that, but that's another Oathbreaker deck that I'm working on. Uh, Tezzeret I really enjoy. Um, I haven't worked a lot with... I, actually, I never worked with Tezzeret before, so I have an Oathbreaker deck with him in it now, like several Tezzerets in there. and uh, Yeah, no, it's... Jeez, uh, like, a Planeswalker that I despise.
2: Whether, whether it's playing against or just even... You know, story-wise, who who you say your least favorite just would be. And I'm sorry, I don't have. I, yeah, I, right. I, I, I don't have. Uh, I don't have one. Um,
0: no, there's definitely no right or wrong answer with that. It's whatever, uh, right, so, what, right. Whatever in your heart. There. It's, it's <laughs> so Whatever so caused you a lot of pain in the world. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah. No, I. So well, that's the nice thing about Oathbreaker is, is like it forces me to play with. With with planeswalkers and ones that I just necessarily wouldn't have u- used in any other way before, so I like that challenge. So that's one of the things I'm hoping to do more is just build more more decks like that and forces me to play with more planeswalkers and ones I usually wouldn't even touch before.
1: So yeah, yeah, very much so. Again, it's it, it, the having access to a planeswalker is a lot more cool than having access to uh, a legendary creature.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and and. And yeah, even with even when I teach it in the cl- teach it in the community education classroom, um, we start with Commander, hundred singleton, and then I introduce the next day. So the, so when they walk away from the class, they have a Commander deck and they have an Oathbreaker deck, and I provide to them the Planeswalker for the Oathbreaker deck and the legendary creature for the Commander deck, and they build everything off from there. But they just based off of who they choose for their legendary or Planeswalker, Um But no, it's I think it's. Uh, I think the I, I think, I think Oath, Oathbreaker is distinct enough that I from Commander um, or Elder Dragon Highlander for those that remember it, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Uh, um, yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I like the faster play because I've played Commander decks. I played Commander with like six people at one point, and it's like two hours long. And you're almost dead and then you come back and you're just, you're just wishing for the, (laughs) or you're stuck and no one can win or whatever. And so, yeah, I like the faster pace of the Oathbreaker for sure
1: does uh th- th- this is a question that just popped up in my mind is there any of any of your kids uh in your classes and stuff uh whether it be here or even at school like come up to you and be like hey can you challenge give me a challenge for making a deck like you said that you gave out uh you you give out the legendary creatures oh. or the the planeswalker and you or you go up to a kid and it's like hey uh typically you play like this blue deck i want to see if you can make uh-huh. this green planeswalker deck this time do you challenge your your students
0: yeah y- yeah so commander um I have a stack that I've collected from donations. Like, okay, here's all the commander. You can choose whatever commander you want, your your legendary creature for your commander deck. Um, but for Oathbreaker, I only have a limited amount of Planeswalkers. So I basically they randomize. I basically flip them over with a die, and they they basically roll a die, and that's the Planeswalker they get. So they don't get to choose their okay. Planeswalker for Oathbreaker. Okay. And, and like I and I say that exact same thing to them. I say, you know what? This may, may not be a color you usually work with. But you have to make it work. You have to, It'll be a, a fairly simplistic planeswalker. It won't have like three colors or anything. It'll something that they could build in say half hour. But yeah, that, I I've started doing that and it's worked out really well because um they all rise to the challenge. It's like okay okay like either they, they really like the color or they've never played with it either way. They're they have to think of it in a certain way because like I tell them I show them my scroll deck and I say look these two cards this planeswalker and this signature spell work together and so all of my other cards help support those two cards just like you would in commander and minus the signature spell and and so yeah i've i've had a few that they've done just great and, and that's just it like if they get killed early on it's no big deal because it's like cool now go over your card and make it better yeah. <laughs> like what cards didn't work out then go there's your stack of cards go go find something that would have made it better and throw the cards that stunk or yeah. didn't do what you expected them to do and so it's yeah. So yeah, I certainly never emphasize the when you're losing part of it because they're generally they're having a good time and they're and um, they enjoy what they're doing. So it's it's never I've never I've never had like people just be angry. It's more just like very lighthearted and it's like, oh, that sucks or I never got enough mana or I never got this card. But no, it's so it's always been a pretty positive experience.
1: It's good to have that kind of environment, especially in magic. Like you you always see online, it's like ah, toxic toxicity magic players and stuff. but yeah, cultivating a positive Mm -hmm. group area of people who play magic is a good way to just keep them continue to play magic, come back and learn more, make more oathbreaker decks, and just like go out there and just just play the play the game, make magic kind of like their a bit of their lifestyle.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and ultimately in the classroom, it's the same thing. It's like you're trying to keep away from trying to. Make things not get any worse than they possibly can be, especially when you have a group of large, large group of students or whoever they may be. or always trying to put the flames out, and um, luckily, luckily with community ed, it's never gotten that challenging because they want to be there, they want to play magic. Or, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's I'm always, it's always, it's always looked at as a positive learning environment. And if you don't do well, well let's fix it. And uh, as as I tell my own kids and I tell my students, <laughs> when everything go anything goes bad, it's like uh, it'll make you stronger. <laughs> <laughs> it's a learning experience, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So it's uh, no, it's 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 always been a good thing. Do you do you have anything like that in Fargo? Like do you do you have do you know of any like community education classes that are. To-
2: not, not that I can think of, at least not that I know, within the school districts.
0: Yeah,
1: since he's in the school district and I'm just yeah. like kind of the cat, uh, one of the casual guys that just, like, chill around, um, there hasn't really been, uh, like, a, 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 a children outreach, kid outreach for, for something, and I know...
2: There's community education?
1: classes not for
2: magic i mean for uh, very in general things. there is yeah. there's a yes, program yeah. yeah
1: yeah they got they got okay. a lot of that so, um, okay. i actually live not too far away where uh, from a community education building that used to be one of the old schools but now it's just stri- strictly for
0: community education because i've also been playing with the ideas like where else can i go like like even if it was like fargo for a week and okay. like do like an intense four-day like I just thinking about that. Come on up, Kelly. Dude, uh, I between
2: the two know. of us and, and all a of our, <laughs> 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 I got an air mattress, man. Uh, Come on up. So
0: I got a tent too. I got a single tent. I could just.
2: Well, you know how the Midwest gets. It's you could be traveling in snow time without even knowing it. So right, right. Yeah. We'll, we'll get we'll get you inside yeah. accommodations.
0: But, but no, it's like that's something I've been like looking into. It was like okay where where else could i do this i was thinking we'll go up to the cities for maybe like if i mean cities is an hour and a half from here so it's not yep. a big deal and i lived up there for a decade so it's but i yeah i think of other places i could like stretch out to.
1: if you're serious like after we're done recording here we can like maybe talk about something together i think that'd be real cool yeah, i mean uh, i know uh, our sponsor josh he has a big open like uh event center and mm-hmm. stuff and uh, he he's always in, interested in like engaging with uh, community. So, yeah. There, so.
0: yeah, I I um, being a week long, it probably wouldn't happen until next summer. But it's something oh, yeah. we could right, definitely right. prepare for. And, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I've been thinking about how to stretch out and do things because yeah, yeah.
1: Cool. Okay, Kelly, we've we've definitely been taking up a, a lot yeah. of your time. We appreciate mm-hmm. and uh, we are greatly uh, happy that you that you agreed to do this. Uh, we have a round of questions for you that we call the Quicksilver questions. Whoa. And uh, uh, rapid fire It's just uh, instantaneous Don't think about them too long okay. And uh, Gary and I are going to rapid fire back and forth Between uh, what the questions are <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Should I
0: right.
2: be nervous? <laughs> you, no, they're, they're meant to be fun and comedical uh, okay. For the most yeah, part okay. Except for this first one, go Yes. Uh, do you pay the one?
0: Yeah, y- no <laughs>
2: <laughs> Pineapple on pizza Yay or nay?
0: Yay
1: uh, what is an animal that you think you could take on in a fight right now?
0: Oh, badger. And. <laughs> <laughs> Honey badger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Going right. serious. Yeah. Don't All mess right. with Kelly. <laughs>
2: All right. Last one. Finish this sentence. Wake me up. Before you go, go. Yes. yes. <laughs> of course.
0: There's no other quick
2: possible end to that. I mean, well, wham. There, there's one other answer, oh. you know, when September ends.
1: Oh. Wake me up inside.
2: Oh, yeah. There's that. yeah. You just talked yeah, about that. we just talked about that. There's so
1: many ways you could go. But it, nice, it, nice, nice. And that's it's, why it's it's,
2: al- it's almost like finish the sentence. Stop. Before you go, go. <laughs> I think he's on a wham yeah. trick here. I'm also a big <laughs> karaoke singer, so uh, oh, oh I my lo- gosh,
0: and I'm in plays and musicals. Yes, and, uh, so I I love. I love all of that stuff,
2: Kelly. I feel like after this, you and I are going to be great. For
0: <laughs> if, you, if you do come
2: up to karaoke and, spots and karaoke, there's, there's carry- plenty.
1: Bossman, he does karaoke. Oh, up, karaoke's
0: great. Uh,
1: up at uh, up at a, a beautiful bar called the Elks. Uh, there's Elks and stuff all around. Oh yeah, stuff, but, yeah. But like he does it up there, and they got karaoke. And they've uh, I got my own setup.
0: <laughs> oh, for my cast parties. Very good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm very excited. Mixing there's board, about microphones, two big speakers. From a place that so, was selling out like three years so ago. So in other
2: words, Kelly, when he he comes up to Fargo, is begin- going to be coming up in a U-Haul, so that way he yeah. has plenty of yeah. supplies for the activities he wants to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Nice. <laughs> so you got plenty of places up there. That's oh yeah. We
1: do. There, karaoke is a big thing, oh. like up in Fargo.
0: I mean, what are you going to do in the winter time? <laughs> yeah, <what> <laughs>
1: drink and sing karaoke. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what we do. There, there's been a lot this year. I've seen a few times where uh, uh, emo or punk rock karaoke has been a thing. Really? yeah. Yep. There's a uh, bossman was one that uh, emo, they, they,
0: what, like what, like '90s songs or what are we talking about? Emo. Uh, emo. Uh, We're uh, talking My like,
1: Chemical Romance. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Er, early, Hot early punk heights. rock,
0: emo rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would Nirvana fall into that then? Nirvana would definitely
1: yep. fall into uh, yeah. the punk rock. There's um, a boss man. There's a group of his friends that come up. I had nothing to do with like punk rock and stuff. But um, well, I mean, they're oh, very that's punk. Right. They're very punk, punk rock. Cast. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. But one of their big ones is a Garth Brooka- Brooks off, oh. where all their friends <laughs> sing a Garth Brooks song in oh, oh rapid six, and, like in order. It's just like one Garth Brooks song after another, and then the crowd cheers for which one done the best. Garth oh, Brooks. That's great.
2: <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs>
0: nice nice oh yeah I have like a list on my phone of songs that just I try to do a variety now but I've been doing it for like six years there we go just we got like we got, so we got an American Legion here on Saturday nights and then Charlie's Pub is Wednesday nights and uh, just love it. there's a community of us we just beautiful. we know all our songs and
1: karaoke's big people love it oh, I, oh, it's so wonderful it's a good release I know that and the
0: liquid courage I mean yeah <laughs>
2: That's very helpful. And, okay, uh, here we go then. Quick fire question. How many liquid courage drinks does it take you to sing a song outside of your repertoire?
0: Oh um, well zero because I, <laughs> okay. all right be- very, because in it. because I sing because I'll sing for like musicals and for plays here in Rock Southeast Minnesota area. okay I've been doing I've been been in I'm doing another show in October. Um, it's, it's a two person play, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't be drunk while I'm doing that stuff. Oh, yeah, that Other people know, are relying me. upon me, but, uh, at the bar, I mean, if I'm doing a standard song that I've done forever, like I don't, it's nice just to have that edge off, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah no, it's, uh.
2: You got the cojones enough to get up there and just go. You know what? I have no idea what this song is. Let's go. Oh yeah, that. Oh okay, okay. So that's yeah, okay. something that I should have that. So different. for example,
0: I did three a.m. for the first time in Washington D.C. because we found a karaoke spot, and uh, it was called the Recession's. Perfect okay. for Washington D.C. And it was a hole in the wall, but I, but I was drunk while I sing that. (laughs) But I'd heard people sing it before, but I'd never tried it myself. Okay. It was just really fast-paced. Like The pacing of the words were really fast. And I also did uh, The Man Who Stole the World for the first time in Washington, D.C. from Nirvana. Okay. And uh, that was another one. So, yeah, I've been trying to do different stuff because I get sick of singing the same songs over and over again. Just really challenge yourself. Yeah, like Dream a Little Dream is a good standard one for me and Nat King Cole's Love. Those are like some slower ones, But, um, but yeah, no, then I'll. I recently did some Butthole Surfers.
1: <laughs> oh, butthole <laughs> Surfers. Yeah. I don't think I know any Butthole Surfers.
0: Yeah, from 90s I believe yeah. and uh yeah, they did uh this is one song that I heard and it's like, oh, that's a really great song and so I've yeah, yeah. I'll do anything from the 60s up. Like Elvis and yeah, deep enough voice, it works just fine.
1: Hell yeah! <laughs> so, so, so you said you do musicals as well. Um, out of all, I, I, I enjoy musicals as well, and I want to know, like, can you name your top three? musicals that you like the most that I enjoy yeah that you enjoy that that uh, and maybe a little caveat on that like top three in the order of which you could sing them oh w- uh in some in some order of, of, of knowing the songs in them like if, if if it was like rent you could pick we could pick a song from rent and then you
0: could do it or like, yeah 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 uh, i could um boy um i really like Les rob Les rob i've seen that uh, joseph's amazing technicolor dream coat from the 70s yeah. um I love the music in that. And then um, fan of the Opera. Like, okay. So it's a more older school. Not too old school, but uh, those are the those are the ones that I've... Uh, like, I was in Annie at the Civic Theater here in Rochester, and that was a lot of fun. I was ensemble, so I was doing multiple parts and seven different dress changes. And yeah, it was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. It's it's a double-edged sword. It's great, but it's a lot of work. And you do like 12, 13 shows in three weekends. and it gets pretty nuts. And with kids too, it's hard. They're getting older now, so it's easier. But it
1: has to be so rewarding after you're oh, doing all yeah, that. Yeah. Like the, the, the so, work is paying off for that because... Yeah. And uh, they get to see
0: it and they see me sing and make fun of me later. And... <laughs> That's my dad up <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm doing Leon, Leon Trotsky. He's a Russian communist. So I'm doing a variations on the death of Trotsky. He was killed by his gardener and... Mexico City back in the 60s and so it's him dying like eight different times so it's kind of a it's a surreal it comedy and so like so it's the first time I've ever like been someone who's actually existed so like he's got this big bulk of red black hair and he's got a goatee and I'm also growing this out for Wolverine for Halloween this
2: year There you year. Go. yeah
0: and, uh, so like the longest I've ever had it for a while so um but uh yeah yeah so <laughs>
1: That is a tornado warning in the area till 2 p.m. Wow. Oh, the warning. Watch.
0: Oh, that got dark pretty quick Yeah, there. it did. It did.
1: I mean, I definitely heard that it was raining.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, Watch a okay. warning. 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 It said, uh, take shelter in a basement.
0: Well, that bathroom has no walls in it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and we've got play mats to put over. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be safe here.
2: <laughs>
1: Well, Kelly, it's been a true delight to do this with you. Um, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe don't tell me if I'm stepping out, but I would definitely love if we were able to to have you on again oh, that'd be for wonderful. for another one, just to, to talk more magic, kids, more more uh, musicals, karaoke, and then maybe Fargo stuff.
0: You know, I uh, I I now have a new goal to go to Fargo. I, I have many reasons now. We're in. And, uh, that'd be so great. Play some magic, sing some karaoke. Uh, yeah, yeah, especially before the summertime. So, no,
2: that sounds yeah, us, great. Just hit us up. We, we one we, of us got plans for you. Yeah, we'll make it work. Yeah, yeah, Weird. that'd be cool. <laughs> okay? And we <with laughs> to wrap up. <laughs> yep, with no that with that
1: magic folk, we will catch you next time. See you.
0: Congratulations! You made it to the end of this week's episode of This Week in MTG. Your listenership means so much to us. Make sure to follow the podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or on the podcatcher of your choice.